Morning Freedom Center. I am uh, just excited today to talk to you about this this next topic, this next series we're really going to go after. We spent 12 weeks doing Church in the Wild, um, but in that season, man, the world has become a pretty wild place, and we're going to be addressing directly over the rest of the summer a topic that I think is going to really be valuable uh, to our community, valuable to you and your family, valuable to the world. And uh, I want to start by telling you a story. I told this on one of the the earlier little video clip thing, the morning minutes that I was doing for, for the last several months. And uh, but I know a lot of people didn't see those. So here's the story again. Once upon a time, there was a man who, through no fault of his own, fell into a hole. And it was a deep hole. It was wide. There was no way to kind of, you know, get traction and get back up to the top. There was, uh, you know, it, it was, there was water, you know, to his ankles. It's, it's, uh, it's cold down there. Like, he's scared. And so he starts to yell and says, help, would somebody help? And, and, the, and about an hour later, he hears a voice at the top of the hole and says, hello. And he looks up and he sees a priest. Now, a priest, a pastor, a rabbi, doesn't matter. But he sees somebody out there, a spiritual man. And, and he, he says, hey, could, could you help me out? I, I'm, I'm stuck in this hole. I need some help. He goes, well, I... You know, I don't have any ladders. I don't have any ropes. What I, what I will do is this here. And he, and he writes out a prayer and he throws it down on the hole and says, now pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. That's what I do. Pray that prayer. And he, he goes away. And now the man's standing in knee-deep water that was once ankle-deep. And he's reading the prayer over and over and over again. And it's getting colder. And he's, you know, he's starting to worry. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And when about an hour later, he hears another voice. He says, hello. And he goes, hey, 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 can you help me out? I fell in this hole. And the man goes, well, I'm a banker, I, I, you know, I don't have any ladders, I don't have any ropes, but I, but I tell you what I'll do, and he writes him a check for $1,000, and he throws it in the hole, and he says, listen, that's, that's how I help people, you just take this, and now the man's in knee-deep water in the same hole, nothing's changed, but he's got a prayer to read, and he's got a check that he can't cash, when about an hour later, the, the water's getting up around his waist, and, and he hears a third voice at the top of the hole, and uh, he goes, hello, he goes, hey, hey, help, I need help, he said, what can I do for you, son, he said, I'm stuck in this hole, man, I mean, the water's coming up, I'm freezing, I, I'm afraid I'm going to die, can you help me, he goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm a politician, so I, I tell you what, I, I, I'll make you a promise, I promise you that if I get elected, I'm going to fill all these holes, I'm going to make the people who dug these holes pay, I'm going to put programs and people in the place so you never have to worry about holes again, you have my promise, and he walks away. And now it's getting kind of towards the end of the day. The water's up to his belly button, and he's pretty sure he's going to die when he hears the voice. That's a little bit more familiar, and he just says, help, help. And he goes, hey, 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 how's it going? He says, oh, you know, Fred, is that you? And Fred is a friend of his. And Fred says, yeah, what's going on? And he goes, I fell in this hole. And, and I, I've got people's promises. I've got people's prayers. I've got people's finances. But I'm still stuck. I'm right where I was when all these people came to help me. Could you get me a rope or a ladder? And, and he's in the middle of saying what he, his suggestion is. All of a sudden, there's this great splash. And he looks, and Fred has jumped in the hole. He's in the hole with him. And he says, what are you, what are you crazy? Now we're both stuck in this hole. He said, yeah, but I've been in this hole before, and I know the way out. I, I tell you that story because I want to caution us in our attempts to help. Um, I, I'll just say it to you plain. Be careful of jumping into holes that you don't know the way out of. I, I think if we're suffering from anything today, it's the strong opinions of people that have half the story or, or it's the, the people that, that have a full, a, the full story feeling like they're not being heard. If you're not a part of the problem or you're not a part of the solution, perhaps you shouldn't be a part of the conversation. This is pretty basic stuff. I mean, we, we talk about this, the power of unity, 
Um, if I were the devil, I would get two people that love Jesus to both believe they're right, so they'd argue with each other. And they, both, they might very possibly both be right. And I, I want to suggest that to you, that some of the greatest arguments that I've seen, I'm now off of social media, I've deleted Facebook again, I was on it for three months so I could talk to you, but I'm, I'm done. It was seven years, or eight years, between being on Facebook, being off Facebook, on it for three months. What I've realized is nothing's really changed. The reason I left it all those years ago uh, nothing's really changed. People that are both right are arguing, and, and if I were the devil, I wouldn't care who's right. I would just care that believers were divided. And so today, I'm here to talk to you about uh, something here, and I, I just want you to know this. Listen to me. There are some problems, and coincidentally, some dreams that are so big that the power of man is insufficient to deal with. The power of man's reasoning, the power of man's wisdom and skill and oratory and platform, the power of politics and the, the power of religion, everything that man has a handle on, some problems and some promises, some opportunities, they're so big that they literally are only in the realm of God-sized solutions. And so I want to talk to you today about the series we're beginning today on prayer. Now, why do we need this? Why, why do we need this thing of prayer? I would say this, and maybe, maybe you don't know this, and maybe I'm teaching this for the first time, but everybody needs to hear this. One of the primary functions of the church of Jesus Christ is prayer. One of the things that I know, that I know, that I know, that we are tasked with it is our responsibility. It has been delegated to us. It has been commissioned into our portfolio of responsibility before the living God. We are to be a people of prayer. Well, that guy's got a ministry of prayer. He's got it handled. No, we all pray. Prayer is a part of, and we're going to see through Scripture, it's not something we do and stop doing. It's something we do continually. It's not something that's delegated to intercessors that have this gift. I'm not saying there are intercessors, and I'm not saying there aren't people with gifts of prayer, but every believer, whether it's a child or it's a seasoned saint, we all have this great responsibility to call heaven to earth. We have this role in the world, and if we're not careful, we'll abdicate that role, and we'll use the power of the flesh to accomplish only what the power of God can accomplish. When we do that, we divide, we manipulate, we get angry, we get hurt, we get frustrated, and again, I've been on social media for three months. I'm off it now. I feel like I was on heroin for three months, and I'm off it now. I am delivered from, but I'm telling you what I saw there is very disturbing to me because we're a lot stronger in our opinions than we are in our intercessions. Let me say that again. If the church of Jesus Christ is stronger in their opinions than they are in their intercessions, the salt will lose its saltiness and men will throw us out because we're no different. Maybe our arguments are better. Maybe our arguments are even true. But if we have no greater source to reach for than human logic, human words, human reason, it is, it is not unlike an unbelieving world to say, you have nothing that I already don't have myself. Prayer intercession, standing in the gap, calling out to God, moving mountains, interceding, prayers on, on all occasions, prayer in the spirit, prayer with understanding, scriptural prayers, declarations. These, these are the rights and the responsibilities of God's children on this earth. Our world could use a lot less opinions and a lot more prayers. And I want you to think about this and don't get mad at me. I'm not trying to stir up stuff. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring understanding so that stuff comes as it should. Now listen to this. If the church spends more time on social media arguing about problems than we do on our knees solving them, then the world will be in a constant state of mess. We are the bearers of light. We are the carriers of truth. And when we reduce everything to arguments that we desire to win, even against, even at the expense of other believers, then the world will be a mess because we were not created to fight flesh and blood. Look at Ephesians. 
the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. There are many arguments that are utterly lost. But how many of you guys know it doesn't matter how many people vote for something, if God says it's sin, it's still sin. It doesn't matter how many people think you're right. The, the religious spirit and the political spirit, if you will, I'm using those words loosely, but the, the, the atmosphere of, of the religious people, the atmosphere of the political people in the days of Jesus, they just wanted a following. So they would, they would present an argument. People would say, oh, that guy's right. I'm going to follow that guy. Well, the same thing's true today. How many of you guys know Jesus wasn't followed sometimes, even though what he spoke was truth? He cared less about his platform, less about those who said amen, less of those who said, I agree with you 100%. Those other people are wrong. He cared about you, and he cared about truth, and he spoke it whether the crowds liked it or the crowds didn't. Jesus was a man who modeled prayer praying all night on several occasions, praying in every circumstance, instructing, teaching, prayer, 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 prayer. If we have lost that consciousness of prayer and we've gained the consciousness of social media, I'm telling you, what Facebook will never be able to do is what God can do in a heartbeat, in an instant. God can change hearts. God can change lives. If he can take Saul the persecutor and make him Paul the apostle, then God can change the hearts and minds of men and women today. If the church spends more time on social media arguing about problems than we do on our knees solving problems, the world will be and remain a hopeless mess. But, but, if the time spent by believers on social media last week was spent in prayer, I would suggest to you that there's a good chance that some of the problems that still exist today would have solutions by now. Hearts would have changed. Spirits would have been displaced. Cities would have been taken. Peace would have come into the midst of storms. So how can you justify that? Jesus calmed the storm by speaking to it after spending the night in prayer. Listen to me. The storms that that whirl around us today do not need more air. They need more prayer. (laughs) Now that's a bumper sticker that I should write. The storms around us today do not need us to exhale into them anything but the prayers of God that bring peace and unity. The devil has the world in chaos. Church, I am telling you, I am preparing you, I am warning you, I am pleading with you, I'm exhorting you, do not add to the air of the storm. It is time to get on our knees, not on our phones. It is time to be in a meditative state before God, asking him for his solutions and then being obedient. It is not time for us to participate in earthly debates when we have been given heavenly weapons. It doesn't make any sense. If you want to dig a hole with a shovel, You'll work really hard to accomplish very little. But if you want to dig a hole with a backhoe, this will literally over time move mountains. We're, we're working, we're striving, we're frustrated, we're angry. Why? Because we're fighting in our flesh and our flesh is growing weary. But when we fight the way the Lord has instructed us, the power of God. You know what that's called? It's funny. That, that's called pneumatic power. It's the power of, of, of pneuma. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is known as? The pneuma. So pneumatic power. We need pneumatic power. We need, we need to... to engage what God has given us, not use what, what we have in our own strength. You'll do more in a day in prayer than you'll do in a month of, of complaining and arguing. Hear me. Our responsibility always to be on the side of truth. But I've seen so often us throwing our, our, our pearls of truth before people that trample on them. This is what I know. Those who, who wrestle in the mud with pigs, you both get dirty, but the pigs actually like it. Don't, don't, don't reduce your testimony to issues. Don't reduce your reputation to, to some argument. We are to bring unity 
in the body of Christ and from a unified body, we are to present Jesus to this world. We're to be praying. This is pretty simple stuff. So prayer is to be our first response uh, to life, whether it's good or bad, controversial or calm. Unfortunately, there's a lot of misunderstandings about prayer. We're going to deal with some of those misunderstandings. We're going to deal with, with one truth about prayer because we have all summer to, to deal with this. We've got another 10 weeks to discuss this, so we're not going to get too ambitious. But I want to set that foundation. The reason I believe the Holy Spirit's leading us here now is because we're being a part of the problem when God would have us to be a part of the solution. No more forceful air. Now we're going to be doing forceful prayer. That's the model for the season that we're in. So allow me to address some common misunderstandings because if you misunderstand prayer, it's, it's not uncommon that people who have misunderstood prayer no longer have faith in prayer. And it's not uncommon that those who have no faith in prayer lose their faith in God because it seems that he's not answering or moving on behalf of their prayer. So let's deal with some common misconceptions and see if you can find yourself in this. Number one is this. We, we don't pray to inform God as if he doesn't see. I think sometimes you say, God, you know, my mother-in-law this and my dog that and my neighbor those and I just, you know, I just, like, like he's our counselor and we're venting to him and then we're done like, oh, I feel better. Thanks for letting me vent on you. No, prayer is not to inform an all-knowing God. Prayer is to invoke an all-powerful God on behalf of his kingdom, his domain, the domain of the king, the kingdom on earth. Prayer is a powerful, beautiful asset given to us. Now listen to me. If we relegate prayer to just this place of complaining to God, we'll miss really the beauty that prayer has for us. Second thing, we don't pray for our kingdom to come and our will to be done. A second misconception I find in prayer is people saying, you know, I, man, I, I, I told God what I wanted to have happen. He didn't answer my prayer. Let me tell you something. If you have kids, I don't mean to reduce you to a child, but hear me. Kids come to you asking all kinds of things. Just because you say no doesn't make you a bad parent. Sometimes saying no makes you a good parent. Just because God didn't give you everything you asked for. He's not a genie in a bottle that you get three wishes from. He's God, your Father, who knows what's best. And there are times when I, I, well, I'm with you. I don't understand why God said no. I would have said yes if I were God. But do you hear how arrogant that is? I'm almost afraid to say it. If I were God, I would have like, stop. We need to trust him. And so for us to say, you know, we pray because we want God to do something, like that's partially true. There's enough truth that it could be palatable. But here's the problem. Whose kingdom is to come and whose will is to be done? That's the difference between witchcraft, manipulating the spiritual realm for your benefit, or prayer, wanting his kingdom, wanting his will. Third misconception we get is we don't pray to complain or threaten or manipulate God as a, as a child with an exhausted parent in Walmart. I've had people say, you know, well, I haven't prayed a prayer in five years. Why? Well, because I prayed a prayer and God didn't answer it. I just said, you know, he's not going to answer my prayers. I just won't talk to him. I'm like, really? You're, you're pitching a fit. You're 60 years old. God didn't do what you told him to do and you haven't spoken to him in five years listen to me guys God's not manipulated by our silence he's not moved by by our passion he's not he's not you know we don't say God do it and he didn't do it so we do it loud God do it and God goes oh okay I if you're really if you're going to be loud I'll do it or if you're going to be silent I'll do it don't be a manipulative bride be a submissive bride that, that says I trust you and I know you. So let's, let's take a look at this. What is prayer? Let's talk about it. Prayer is an act of relational faith in God that brings situations and people on earth before God in heaven and simply asks the, the, for the substance of one world to come to the other. So it's relational. God, I know you. Our Father, 
in heaven. Hallowed be your name. I know you. It's relational. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And this is exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. This is his teaching on prayer. Let's become reformed relationally, not to him who dwelleth between the cherubim and the seraphim, holy and pure, the unmentionable name of God because you'll strike me dead. No. He has this radical teaching on prayer. Let's start this way. Abba. Papa. Daddy. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. It's relational. But then it goes beyond that. It's relational, but, but it's also actionable. Your kingdom, yours, yours, come here. Your will here be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Think of it this way, guys. When you pray for wisdom, you're saying what exists in heaven, I'm asking to exist in me. Uh, what, what exists in heaven in the form of healing, you would agree that there's no one in heaven today in bed because they, they caught a cold and viruses are spreading around heaven. Like heaven is a place of perfection and wholeness and beauty. So let, let your kingdom, the domain of the king, let, let your kingdom come. So we pray for healing. We're saying let the substance of one world come to this world, come to this body, come to this person. When we pray for safety. God, we're, we're praying for you to send angels, unseen ambassadors of another world that, that camp about us with flaming swords in their hands. We pray for direction. We pray that we'd be obedient. We're going to go this way, and you hear the Holy Spirit say, don't, but we're going to be obedient and go the right way. Like, we're praying for what heaven knows to come here and what heaven has to be utilized on earth. Think about provision, how manna fell from heaven, how God provided for his prophets and his people. Listen to me. When we ask for provision, we're asking for the substance of heaven, the, the, the strategies, the benevolence, the love, the kindness, the generosity. As it is in heaven, so let it be on earth earth we're praying something from somewhere that's in the hand of the heart of God to come to our hands and our hearts or the hands and hearts and the bodies of others friendships when we pray for friends God bless them what we're doing we're taking the love the familial love that that God has for all mankind and we're sharing that by blessing our friends and praying for our friends and comforting our friends and standing by our friends and doing warfare in the heavenlies for our friends when we pray for enemies it's the same thing if God wouldn't curse them to hell then why are we cursing them right so we pray, God, as you've forgiven me, as that kingdom has come to me, now I extend that kingdom to embrace or surround the circumference of my enemy. As you have been kind and generous and merciful to me, I now extend kindness, generosity, and mercy to my enemies. We're asking for the substance of one world to come to this. It's, it's as if, and just think about it this way, it's as if we stand in the dark next to the need, and we say, God, would you shine a light right here? Would, would the substance of another world come right here? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Prayer stands in the dark with the need and asks God to shine light on the places and the people for the good of all. So what happens when we pray? I want you to hear me because I think many of us are lacking the benefits that can only come through this relational, ongoing dialogue with God. Now hear me. The first thing that happens when we pray is the world has changed. Um, Boy, you, you see like so many things God does in Scripture. He does in direct response to the prayers of people. The Bible says this, that the, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. I think that's James chapter five. The effectual, the, the I'm, I'm serious, I'm just, I see it, I'm claiming it, I believe it, I'm standing on the promises, I'm declaring heaven on earth, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman avails much. Like it, it accomplishes so much. So when we pray, the world is changed by our prayers. The second thing is this, the one who prays is changed. You cannot be in the presence of someone without somehow gleaning part of them onto you. 
My wife and I are a lot more like each other after 31 years of marriage than we were before we met. Why? Because through osmosis, through commonality, through inside jokes, through, through you know, life, we become one, not two separate people that have their own identities. In the same way, as you pray, spending any time with God makes you more like him. Spending any time in God's word, any time in God's spirit, any time in worship, any time, it makes you more like him. I've had people say so often, I, I miss corporate worship because every time that was over with, I just felt a sense of presence. I just, it, it brought me to a place that I just can't find anywhere else on earth. It's not, not this place, but that place of exchange where I'm standing with my brothers and sisters and we're declaring the glory of God. But when that happens, yes, you are changed by that encounter. The world changes but those who encounter God change as well. The third one is circumstances begin to shift. Now, what I mean by circumstances is sometimes things that we don't see shift. You ever had this happen where you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, like God provide, God provide, God provide. You go to your mailbox and there's the provision and you realize that before you ever asked for provision, God had already inspired somebody to send the check. Like, like it's funny, like, like the circumstances change according to a prayer that you had not yet even prayed, but God knew that you would. So that when you prayed that prayer and you walked to that mailbox, that insurance refund would be there or that tax return you didn't know you were due or that inheritance from the aunt you didn't know you had or, or the friend just says, God put you on my heart. Listen, when we pray, we are literally, we're, we're asking God to adjust all the pieces on the board so that when we walk into that need, into that circumstance, God has prepared a level path for our feet. Circumstances shift. The other thing is that heaven advances. If his kingdom, the domain of the king, comes and his will is done, that means wherever hell had ruled, heaven now does. When we pray, heaven advances. See, well, I, I've been praying for my uncle to get saved for 10 years. He's not saved yet. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You're going to reap a harvest in due time if you don't quit, if you don't give up. But hear me, beyond that, just the simple act of you believing for your uncle's soul, maybe it hasn't advanced the fullness of the kingdom in your uncle's life yet, but it is advancing the kingdom in your life by trusting God with your uncle's soul. I, I, I want you to hear me. We advance heaven's agenda every time we trust God, and every time we trust God in prayer, we advance heaven's agenda. The domain of the king, the kingdom of God, advances through our prayers. Heaven advances, but also hell retreats. Back to that thing, light from another world shines in a dark place. Well, by default, when light comes, what leaves? When the energy, the photonic energy of some LED hits this place, what was once in that space called darkness immediately is eradicated by the substance of light. When you pray, when you bring the Spirit of God, I just feel this, when you bring the anointing, when you bring the declarations of the Word, when, when you pray, not only does heaven advance, but hell dissipates. What our land needs today is for the people of God to stop echoing the darkness and start declaring the light. Because when we do, when we stand as the church of the living God, God says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from wickedness, then I will hear that prayer and I will heal that land. Listen, our land and our world needs healing. So what could possibly be missing? In, in, in that scripture I just gave you, what's the missing element? If we'll humble ourselves, quit being so arrogant in our own opinions, quit having to be right, letting, letting people talk, let them talk as long as they want. We're gonna talk to God who changes hearts. So if I withdraw from the argument, there'll be no counterbalance there. No, people that are conservative, people that are liberal, people that have various socioeconomic backgrounds, they're gonna keep talking. Trust me, if you pull your voice out of the argument, it's like pulling your hand out of a bucket of water. It just fills in. And we're like, damn, there's, we must be right because they stopped talking. There'll be plenty of people to talk in your absence. But in talking, you're fighting on this level. But in praying, you're fighting on this level. 
if you really want to change the world, maybe we should get off of social media and get on our knees and begin to move the heavenlies forward, begin to dispel the hellish back, begin to declare, begin to defend, be, begin to do warfare in prayer. I, I just want to give you this example as we're starting to kind of land the plane here pretty soon, but I, I got to tell you, this, this is one of my favorite prayer stories, but I was intimidated, and, I, and I'm telling you, it, it hasn't dissipated all that much, but when I was 29 years old, I've been thinking a lot about the past recently, thank you for that, that wonderful honor and celebration you gave us last week, it was such a joy, but I, I remember being 29 years old, standing about where I'm standing right now, not far from here, I looked out the window, there was snow and ice all over. It was, it was uh, February. I looked across the field. The middle school wasn't there, but the high school was, and I realized how big of an opportunity this was. And I said to uh, the chairman of the pulpit committee, John Yinger, who you saw on the video last week, I said, John, I, I got to be honest with you. I think you need to make, I, I think you can do better than me. I just want to be honest with you. I think you can do better than me. You don't have to take a youth pastor that's never done this before. You get a much more mature person would probably do better, uh, at least at first, for the first 10 years that I would do. Uh, you're going to have to wait a long time for me. I just, I, let me just, it would be, my conscience won't allow me to say, I'm ready for this. Matter of fact, I'm going to say to you, I think you might be able to do a lot better than I am. I have some suggestions. And he said, no, no, it's, it's good. We'll, we're, we're going to stick where we are. Let God have his way. We'll vote. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't cut off the process. And he was, he was right. And that council changed my life and, and maybe yours too to some degree. But I, even though he had calmed me down, there was still that feeling of I don't know what to do. <laughs> I've watched senior pastors for a decade do their thing, but I've never been the guy. I've never been in the chair. It's never been my responsibility. I don't know how to do a board meeting, a business meeting. I don't know how to make decisions, hiring, firing. I don't, I don't know any of this stuff. And this is all what I do the day that I say yes. That's all my responsibility, and I don't have any idea how to do it. And so I went to the Lord, and I just said, God, I, I said basically to the Lord what I said to John, like I think you could do better than me. And I'll never forget, in that season of prayer, the Holy Spirit just dropped these words in my heart. It wasn't an audible voice, but it could not have been more real. I heard this. It was like, what if we just made this a father-son project? What if you don't have to be super manager or super pastor or super experience or super character or super mature? You're 29 years old. What, what if, like, when you made the Pinewood Derby car with your dad and he did 90% of the work and you got to paint it, you know what I mean, and, and you weren't allowed to touch it? What, 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 if, what if I helped you make this Pinewood Derby car? What if I helped you pass the church? What if, what if, as a matter of fact, not only I helped you, it was the point of relationship that we could share. We do it together as a project for as long as I have you here. And I thought, if you're going to lead me, if you're going to be there with me in the board meeting and in the business meeting, if you're going to answer my questions, if I can always turn to you and you'll always be there for me, man, I, you know, yes. I'd love to do that. Like, let's, let's be, you're kind of the senior pastor. They're going to call me pastor, but you and I both know <laughs> who the pastor is, right? Well, 10,000 days later, which is about where we are, just short of 10,000 days of serving you, serving this community, serving God here. Can I tell you, that promise hasn't faded from my heart. The things that I have to do today, the conversations, the staff, the issues, the funeral, the, all the stuff happening. You know, you know what it is? If it gets too much, you know, I go, you know what I run to? You know what my anchor is? God told me that he'd always be here with me and we'd build this thing together just like a father and a son would work on a project. So my father is working with me. Now, why, 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 what's the point of that story? Simply this. What if your life could become a father-son project? Ladies, what if your life could become a daddy-daughter project? What if, what if he was so into what you were doing just as I believe he's into what I am doing? Not because I'm a pastor. I think that invitation was always there, but it, it took the weight of this for me to turn to him and say, hey, you're, you're not sending me and not coming with me, right? 
Like, I'll go anywhere, but you got to come with me. And now I'm coming with you. I'm your partner. What, what if God said that to you? What if, what if it wasn't a mission he sent you on, but a co-mission he was going to accomplish with you? What if it wasn't a great mission? It was a great co-mission that you knew he'd stand with you in every circumstance. At any given moment, you could turn to him and say, isn't that cool? Every given moment, you say, isn't that great? Any given moment, I don't know what to do. What, could you, hey, that's too heavy. Could you carry that? What, what if the rest of your life through prayer became a, a daddy-daughter dance, became a father-son project. What if God's guarantee to you is I will be with you as I was with Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, John, Peter, Paul, Jim, you? I'll be with you. What if God's promise came to you that he'd be with you? Listen, this is all I know. I am still in water that is well above my head. And the only reason I'm here, I hate to go bet metal on you, but he is the wind beneath my wings. He is the pilot. Uh, if I'm the co-pilot, so be it. I, I don't get to touch the wheel very often, but I love the one who's flying the plane. I get to touch it sometimes. Hey, you want to? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. Hey, I'm tired. Good job. Yeah, I got it. Okay, good. Hey, I, uh, I take the wheel. Okay. Hey, that's kind of a storm. What do I do? I take your wheels off. I take your hands off the wheel. I take it off the yoke, and now he's flying it like literally. <laughs> I hate to say this because we just celebrated 25 years of brilliant leadership and courage. To, no, no. We celebrated 25 years of my daddy in an ongoing project with me who gets all the credit. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have made it the first month. I don't think I could have made it the first day. But I certainly, certainly couldn't point to things that, that, that are such a blessing to me to point at and be so proud of, so, so pleased to have been a small part of, if it wasn't for the one that's actually flying the plane. If it wasn't for actually the father and the father-son project. So hear me. I think your life can and should be a, a, a daddy-daughter dance. I think your life can and should be a father son project. I really do. So how do we do that? Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Music's going to start to play, but I, I just want you to hear this. This is Paul's really like the shortest teaching on prayer ever. Let's start the most basic we can, and we're going to build on it for the next nine weeks. But let's start with this. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, we're going through 16, 17, and 18, but it, these are really short verses. It says this, rejoice always. That, that, that is an actual entire verse. That's, that's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Well, what is that? We, we don't come before God going, I'm so mad at you. I'm so frustrated. The world is so screwed up. If you were real, why don't you? No. Rejoice always. I, the blessed are the pure in heart because they're going to see God. They just, you ever seen somebody, they, they're looking at the same thing you're looking at and you're going like, oh man, what a drag. They're like, hey, do you see God in that? And you just want to slap them. You know what I mean? Listen, if you're pure in heart, you can see God's fingerprints over all kinds of stuff. Good stuff, bad stuff, all things working together for the good. Like that's, that's what the sons of God can see, right? The children of God can see. Blessed are the pure in heart because they're going to see God, right? So listen, um, that rejoicing always. You've come before him in the Molly Grubs. I'm not saying you can't complain to God. If you couldn't come to God complaining, we'd lose about three quarters of the book of, the, of Psalms, right? Because <laughs> most of those things are like, everything sucks. My enemies are prospering, but I trust you, so see law, right? But, but listen, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying this. If we come before him rejoicing, I know what you did yesterday. I have such great expectations for today. Let's talk. Let's build it. Let's, let's get the wheels on it today. Let's paint it. Let's, let's mold it and shape it. Let's test it down the track. Are you ready? Rejoice always. That's the attitude that really gains entrance. If I'm rejoicing, it's not far to be in his presence. If I'm depressed, if I'm hurt, if I'm frightened, if I'm angry, it's a lot longer journey to get in his presence. So let's start with that. The attitude that gains entrance is rejoicing in the Lord always. Paul did in Philippians. I'll say it again. Rejoice. It's no burden for me. I'll say it again. Rejoice. He says it again in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. That's the attitude that gains entrance. He says this, pray 
continually. That's verse 17. Two words. <laughs> Pray continuously. Uh, now look at this. You say, well, so there's no intermission? No. Uh, there's no, so okay, oh, I feel so guilty now. I only pray a few minutes a day. I'm such a bad person. Stop. Prayer doesn't mean on your knees, hands folded, talking to God. Prayer means open to. Prayer means dialogue. My wife and I spend quality time in the same room and never speak a word to each other. I know she's there and I can feel her presence. She knows I'm here. She can feel my presence. Sometimes I'm in the other room watching the History Channel while she's in watching the Hallmark Channel. Or sometimes it's the other way around. But we don't want to talk about that. So, but, but I, I know she's, we're spending time together even though we're not doing the same thing. We're spending time together. Once you gain the thought of the omnipresence of God, he is with you. Like, oh, he's watching me. Oh, no, no. He's with you. <laughs> He's, he's, yes, he's omnipresent. Yes, he sees, but he's with you. He's on your side. Pray continually. Never close the door. Okay, I'm done praying. See ya. It, it's not that. It's a continual ongoing. Every time you look up, he's there. Every time you look in, he's there. Every time you look out, he's there. Pray continue. You always have access to God. And appreciating that. Rejoicing always. Did you see that, God? Did you see that, God? Did you see that, God? Ooh, did you see that, God? We, we got to work on that. Pray continually. Rejoice always, pray continually. And this is the last one. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? And this is what it means to me. Sometimes I say, did you see that God? Did you see that God? Did you, hey, oh, did you see that God? Hey, hey God, you seeing that? Oh, hey God, oh. Oh, that ended really badly. God, where were you? It's a natural thing. If you're supposed to take care of everything and something I see doesn't kind of get taken care of, where were you is not an invalid question. But this is what I want you to know. Giving, this, is, this is the formula for prayer. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Pray without ceasing. But no matter what God says, listen to me please. No matter what, if he says yes, he says no, he says slow, he says go, whatever God says, hear me, the right response is to give thanks. Whatever it turns out, and I, I know this is hard to understand because there's so much hell sometimes in earth that you kind of go, God, are you even here? Do you even care? But hear me. You would be the first disciple to ask God if he doesn't care that you're drowning. Mark chapter 4, look it up. It's right there. But I would say this to you. He calmed that storm. And he used that storm as a teaching tool to develop something in his disciples so that when they faced their own death, they would know that he was with them no matter what. Is it possible, though, God doesn't cause the storm that you're in, or perhaps God doesn't even calm the storm that you're in, if we could just trust him and give thanks in all circumstances to him? Not thanks for the circumstances, but thanks in the circumstances. It's an uninterrupted gratitude. I don't understand it, but you're still God. I don't get it, but you're still good. I, I trust you no matter what. If we'll trust him through these things, God it qualifies us to lead people here. If we trust him through these things, it qualifies us to bring the kingdom here. It, it, and it goes on and on and on, from glory to glory, faith to faith. Well, how does faith grow? It grows by having the last faith you had challenged beyond itself. And, and I have to say that again. How do you go from faith to faith? God gives us faith, but then gives us a problem that's bigger than our faith so that our faith can grow. So, you know, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to just naturally expand faith. That's like walking to a gym and saying, I'm just going to naturally expand my biceps. How do you naturally expand your biceps? You don't. You have to, to purposely put them to the test, tear them apart, feed them, rest them, water them, pray for them, play with them, whatever it is. I want to grow my faith by just sitting still. That, sitting in a sauna doesn't develop biceps. Grabbing large weights and moving them painfully does. Strength increases the way faith increases by giving it a test it's never had before and then meeting it with grace and meeting it with grace and meeting it with grace. So hear me. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, regardless of how difficult they may seem. God hasn't left you. You're not alone. You're going to be okay. How do you know that? Because I've read the Bible from beginning to end, and I see how it ends, and I see you and I in a place that lasts forever without pain, sickness, death, taxes, (laughs) government, just Jesus. We're going to get there. That's where we're headed. So the pain of the day, Paul calls it these light and momentary afflictions. And he says, they're not worth being compared to the glory that's in front of me. So let's, let's be thankful. Let's, let's be grateful. Let's, let's do what he says here, that uh, give thanks in all circumstances. So this is what we're going to do. Today, if you're not right with God, so how would I get right with God? You pray. And, and can I also add something onto this? If I offended you early on with the social media comments, maybe you're offended because I'm right, not because I'm wrong. I'm just putting that out there. I, I am so confident that I'm actually confrontational. I'm rarely confrontational. I ask you a question. Do you think it's, do you think that if the church did more of this and less of that, there will be a better life? So when, I, when I'm really hitting somebody hard, I rarely just hit them. But today I really felt like I need to say to you, listen, I'm calling people to repentance. In other words, to change the direction, the trajectory of their life. If, if Facebook, if you spend more time in Facebook and in the words of man than the book and the words of God, I am calling you to repentance. If you spend more time on Instagram or, or television or History Channel, Hallmark Channel, than you are in prayer and in his presence and in his word, then, then I'm not saying you're going to go to hell for that. I'm saying people won't go to heaven. Heaven will not come to earth without the church standing up and practicing his presence and promoting his kingdom, and taking land through intercession, through declaration, through promise-keeping, through benevolence, through all these things that God's given us. He will be with you when you go or he sends you. And if there's distance between you and God today, just be honest with yourself. I, it's funny, the last three months, I've kind of felt distant from God. It must be because I'm not in church. Or maybe it's because you're not in his presence, and church was the way that you got in his presence, and you've had to discover new ways to get in his presence. You, as a believer need to have the attitude and take the responsibility of prayer. There is no substitute for the church on its knees. There is no government institution. There is no social movement. There is no resistance. There is no offensive. There is no military in the history of the world that can do in in a decade what God can do in a moment. And so I just bring that to you today humbly. You, you need to look at your life and say, it's time, like I did, get rid of the app. 30 days, I'm on social media, whatever it is. Uh, you know, maybe it's more than 30 days. I would suggest for me, it's probably, I'm probably done with it for the rest of my life, but there may be another crisis, but that's where we communicate. But in the meantime, I have no interest in watching brothers and sisters play in the mud and get all dirty and blame each other. No interest at all. If you need to repent, do that. Humble yourself and pray and seek his face turn away from wickedness and then God says I will God says I will heal your land if you want your land healed we have a very clear instruction from God himself on how that takes place so if you need to repent today of sin need to repent today of selfishness need to repent today of anger need to repent today of whatever it is do it now Father I pray for those that are with us today I ask you God that you would meet them right where they are at should meet them right where they are. Have your way in all of our lives today, God. 
we're sorry. The places in our lives that don't align with your kingdom, we now move from where they were to where you are. We align ourselves, our time, our day, our prayers, our gratitude, our hearts. God, if, if we found ourselves so bound by the, by the wars of the world and yet we refuse to war in the heavenlies where wars are actually won, God, forgive us. We repent of spending more time in the world than we do in your presence. We do right now, right here. You are right, we're wrong. Forgive us and align us again and we will see the healing of our land when we see the church on its knees praying for peace, praying for answers, praying for wisdom, praying for healing, praying for reconciliation. Let us take our role before you and before this world and let us do it well in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's your homework assignment every week this summer. We're going to be having the homework assignment next week, Father's Day. We're going to talk about this again, another homework assignment. Then the following week, we'll be back in this room, and uh, we'll start talking about what that looks like here. There'll be a lot of announcements going on, but I just want you to know something. Hear me. Here's your assignment. I want you to unplug from the demonic arguments, from the manipulation, from the anger. From the, I want you to unplug, and I want you to plug into the presence of God for one week. I want you to pray. I, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be hurt. But I want you to do those things in his presence because you will not stay angry, hurt. You, you, you'll be transformed as your mind is renewed in his presence. You'll find yourself being far more wise when you speak than just passionate when you speak. If you've broken off relationship, and hear me, if you've broken off relationship with people over this, here's my second assignment. I want you to pray, and I want you to reconcile with your brother. I want you to reconcile with your sister. I want you to call them and say, listen, even though we don't agree, can we disagree agreeably and can we agree on the preeminence of Jesus Christ over politics? And I think that if anybody ever said that to me or I said that to anybody else, what kind of a person would say, no, you're a this or you're a that or I don't accept you're like, if that's the case, wipe the dust off your feet and they got bigger problems than you. But I think it's time for us to, to repent of some stuff, to pray and to reconcile. That's what I think. And that's your assignment for this week. Go do it. Don't just think about it. Don't just pray about it. Don't just study it. It's not a noun. It's a verb. Go do it. In the meantime, I love you. I hope you've received these words from my heart to your heart with love. And I will see you again very soon. God bless you.